Everything that's dead does not need to be resurrected. And now for The Resurrection of You, Part 1. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And there was a couple taking a tour of the Holy Land, a man and his wife who had been married for some years, and they had brought along on the trip with them the mother-in-law. And the husband and the mother-in-law had some issues. They were typical, with a typical mother-in-law, and they just had some problems and some challenges and arguments and disagreements and not seeing eye to eye. And the mother-in-law was really cranky on this trip. She was so cranky that she just gotten so upset that she died. And while they were there in the Holy Land, the undertaker came to the husband and said, look, We can ship your mother-in-law back, but it'll cost $5,000 to ship her back. And then you're going to have to do a funeral when you get back and all of the embalming and all of that stuff. Probably going to end up costing you $10,000, $15,000. But we can do a Holy Land funeral here for $150. We are experienced with it. We'll do a typical Holy Land. We just wrap it in a shroud, put her in the ground. You'll be in Holy Ground. It's only going to cost 150 Might cost you 15000 to ship her back. And the husband thought about it for a minute. He said, I'm going to go ahead and ship her back. And the undertaker said, why? You mean to tell me you're going to pay $15,000 to ship her back and have an expensive funeral there and we can handle it all here in this holy ground, on this holy land, in this holy place for $150. Why would you want to pay literally a hundred times more? He said, well, the last time I read about somebody being buried in the holy land 2,000 years ago, they got buried and three days later they came back to life. He said, I just can't take that chance. And today, I want to speak on a subject. It's a break in the series that I was doing, but what God has led me to talk about. And and last Sunday, we talked about really Resurrection Day. The youth did a phenomenal job with that. Today, I want to speak about resurrection, but differently. And as God has instructed me today, I want to entitle this message, The Resurrection of You. The resurrection of you. And we understand the entire Christian faith is based around Jesus dying for our sins and yet coming back to life and coming back with all power. And he bled and died on the cross for us and was resurrected after three days in the ground. But so much of his ministry dealt with the changing of the dead stuff in our lives. The resurrection of you. And as I thought about just, you know, dead things, they fit into varying categories. There are three basic categories of dead things. First, there's a category of dead things that need to stay dead. Everything that's dead does not need to be resurrected. 
There are some things that die by natural means. Some stuff God has killed. And there are some dead things that it's not meant for it to be resurrected. Do you realize with the power of God and all of the people who have died throughout history, do you realize that even within the Bible, Jesus didn't resurrect that many folk? And you know how many people were dying in that time. He only resurrected a very small number and a very select few folk. Most things and most people who are dead or that's dead need to stay dead. It's a divine, natural cycle and purpose. If God wanted to resurrect them, he could. So first you got the category of things that need to stay dead. Then you got the category of things that need to be resurrected in your life. There are some things in your world that has died and you need to bring that thing back to life. And then there's a third category. There's a third category and I'll call that the zombie category. It's dead, but it's still alive in your world and you need to kill it. So you've got three kinds of death. The things that need to stay dead the things that need to be resurrected and the things that should have been dead and literally is dead, but you got some walking dead. You know, America, for whatever reason, has a morbid fascination with zombies. I mean, you remember how many zombie movies and then one of the longest running series is just The Walking Dead. And I don't know why people are so fascinated with zombies, stuff that should be dead, but is walking around. And there's in our world zombies that's just walking around. In our life, that third category is actually a much bigger category than the second category. The things that are walking around dead that should be killed and buried versus the things that are dead that should be resurrected, that third category is larger. And we've got so much stuff that just needs to die and be buried. And see, the zombie stuff, some of the, the supernatural macabre stuff actually has some spiritual truth in it because there's only one way to kill a zombie. You can't shoot a zombie in the leg and stop a zombie. You can't shoot a zombie in the belly. You can't shoot a zombie in the heart and you can run a wooden stake of a vampire, though, but you can't kill a zombie by shooting. The only way you can kill a zombie is to blow his brains out. So sometimes with a thing that's dead in your world is still walking around. Sometimes the only way you can kill it, they just chop the head off. You got to just have a real drastic measure of getting some of this stuff out of our world. But yet we've got three kinds of dead things. But today I want to talk about just the things that need resurrection in our lives and how the New Testament is so centered on resurrection, but resurrection didn't begin with the New Testament. Resurrection actually began with the Old Testament. And there are three types of, or three levels of resurrection. There's number one, there's the freshly dead. We watched a movie that Lucretia picked for movie night called Do You Believe? And towards the end of the movie, one of the stars in the movie, he was in the hospital, had terminal cancer, he died. And eight minutes later, he came back to life. And it was a miracle, but this is a freshly dead situation. And actually, when something is freshly dead on a medical viewpoint or terminology, it's borderline, not resurrection, it's resuscitation. That's why when you go to public places and 
often in a lot of businesses, you see a device called an AED, an automatic emergency defibrillator. And what this is, when a person has died, the heart is stopped. They've stopped breathing. If you can get those pads on their chest and charge it up and push the button, the body will jump and it'll shock the heart and the heart will start back beating and they will start back breathing. That's not resurrection. That's resuscitation. When you can put the force and the energy and the electricity to charge and jumpstart the heart. And you can do a resuscitation with the freshly dead. And then there's a second category. It's not a scientific term for this category, but I just call it the good and dead. Sometimes things are just good and dead. Lazarus was good and dead. He wasn't freshly dead. He was good and dead. Lazarus had been dead for three days. He had started to stink. And when you have been dead for so long that you have started to stink, that's good and dead. When you got something in your world that's dead and it's good and dead, it starts to stink. And it begins to smell and it gets on you and it gets on other folk and there's something in your world. And because it's good and dead and you have neither resurrected it nor buried it, it starts to stink. So when Jesus resurrected Lazarus, Lazarus was good and dead. But like I said, resurrection did not begin in the New Testament. It didn't begin with Jesus. It was several people in the Old Testament resurrected. In 2 Kings chapter 13, beginning at verse 20, Elijah died and was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. That's a powerful resurrection. Elisha was dead. But even though he was dead, his body and his remains still contained so much anointing that when they threw a dead body on a dead body, the dead body got up and stood up. But that dead body was good and dead. And then there is the third level that what I call no meat on the bones. And in Ezekiel chapter 37 The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together. Bone to bone, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. 
but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered me and them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it declares the Lord. Now that is the highest level of resurrection I have ever heard of. When there was nothing but bones and there was no meat on the bones. Not only was there no meat on the bones, the marrow inside of the bones had dried out. So that's why that story is called the valley of dry bones. Because it's one level when you got a juicy bone, it's some meat and it's some mouth, but that bone was just, it was just dry. So here, God took the third level of death, which is no meat on the bone and dry bones, and brought that back to life. And I ask you, what do you have in your life that's deader than that? God has the power to do anything. And right before I came, God spoke something. He said, tell the people this. I can resurrect anything in their lives that needs resurrecting. Now, I want you to understand that last half. That needs. That's why I had to go through the three types of things. Some stuff is dead, need to stay dead. Some need resurrection. And some is a zombie that you need to kill. God says, I can resurrect anything in your life. That needs resurrecting. And I want to use as a, what I would call a modus operandi. I want to use as a method of operation in Ezekiel, how Ezekiel was able to resurrect the deadest of the dead. How was he able to resurrect nothing but absolute dry bones? In a valley full of dead stuff where nothing moved, where everything was dry and brittle and had no breath and had no spirit and had no life. The resurrection of you. How do we bring back to life the things in our life that needs resurrection? God says, I can resurrect anything in your life that needs resurrection. The question is, how? That is part two. And that is what I will speak upon the next time I come before you. The resurrection of you. And I'm going to deal with the things that need resurrecting in your life. Things that don't need to stay dead, and things that you don't need to kill as a zombie in your world. 
How do you even know the difference? And how do you get these things back to life? The Resurrection of You, Part 2. I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. You can go to brothersoftheword.com and you'll be able to listen to the entire group of messages dealing with the resurrection of you. If you've got dead stuff in your world, stuff that needs to be resurrected, that needs to be brought back to life, go to brothersoftheword.com and learn the scripture and the divine path to get things back to life in your world. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because brother... You need the word. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor James to close us out for today. Amen. Amen. We thank Pastor for that awesome part one of resurrection of you. How many of you have things in your life that as he preached today's sermon, you thought about needed resurrection in one of those three forms? Amen. Amen. So, we know that God gave him this message and we just thank him for following the spirit of the Lord. Well, with heads bowed right now, there's anybody in this place? And you need the one that was resurrected. And in order to resurrect anything in your life, you're going to need that resurrection power. If there's anybody in this place and you want to reaffirm your relationship with the only one that came back from the grave after three days with all power in his hand. And if you want that power in your life and you may have known him at one time, but if you may have strayed away and you just want to renew that covenant with him, the altar is open. We invite you to come at this time. And we can't do it on our own. We need his power to resurrect that which is dead we just thank him for his sacrifice just coming to die for us he knew we were gonna sin he knew we were gonna fall short he knew we were gonna have things that needed resurrect I was even reading passages of scripture this morning and the version I was reading it in it had it kind of confusing and I had to go back to the King James to really see what it meant and just one word changed the whole meaning of it and I just thought about it when I got here I said I can imagine the pressure the stress knowing that every word that you spoke that every action that you performed would for thousands of years be scrutinized and that just one thing one sin one lie one contradiction 
would have the scholars and doubters. And I thought about just the pressure I have on my job. And I can mess up and come back and say I'm just human. He couldn't mess up one thing or it would have invalidated him being God. Just imagine the pressure if everything you said in sermons was written down, if every act you did was looked at by the crowds and scribes began to write it, and if it was scrutinized, imagine the pressure. But he went through that pressure out of his love for you. He went through all of the scrutiny, all of the people talking about him, people spitting on him. He went through it for you. So if you'll just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I confess my sins I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die just for me. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for blessing me. I thank you for guiding me. I thank you for your favor. I thank you for your protection. I thank you for seeing me right where I am. I thank you for seeing who you created me to be. Even when I can't see it sometimes. I thank you for loving me even when I don't feel lovable. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Just stretch your hands toward these as we just say a corporate prayer over them. Lord, we just thank you for these four that have come for renewal right now, oh Lord. I pray, oh Lord, that you'll give them a fresh breath of your spirit. Even as they stand here, oh Lord. For only you know what they've gone through, oh Lord, over the last few years, oh Lord. And I pray, oh Lord, just for a renewal of your resurrection power, oh Lord. Thank you, Father, for their commitment this day, oh Lord. I pray that you'll strengthen them, oh Lord. You'll guide them, oh Father. That you'll resurrect, oh Lord, those things that need to be resurrected in their lives, oh Lord things that they've tried to resurrect by human power, oh Lord, but it's only by your power could they be resurrected, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, for a fresh breath of your anointing, oh Lord. Thank you, Lord, that times when they get tired, oh Lord, I pray, oh Father, that you'll continually breathe on them, oh Lord, to renew their strength, oh Father, even as the eagles, oh Lord. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for watching over them for holding them in your hands, oh Lord. The precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in his presence. Man, our second appeal for those that have been hearing the word and feeling his presence here. 
God is leading you to join this body of believers. The doors of the church are open at this time and you can come for church membership at this time. Well, I'm going to ask Brother Wayne, if you don't mind, you have a a testimony that when you was working out downstairs and collapsing, even when we visited you in the hospital, the doctors had given up on you. I don't think anybody could close us as good as somebody that has experienced this resurrection power today. So you don't mind coming and closing us in prayer today. Amen. It's one thing to hear about. It's another to experience it. So we <laughs> ask, ask you to close us out today. Jesus. <laughs> I was not expecting this at all. But I am just elated at the things that the Lord has done for me, and even as the young lady said who did the 242, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. You know, I got a new respect for the Lord. Just a little bit about my story. In 2015, I had just kind of come to the church. Came to the church and this guy named Gerald Evans was trying to inspire me to go to Ringo's class. I said, well, Gerald, won't you go? Because he wasn't going, right? So anyway, I conceded and went to Ringo's class. Now, this is a build-up for Ringo and not a letdown. But I went, my first night was a Thursday night. I went to Ringo's class, and man, I was huffing and puffing. Ooh, wait, Ringo was rough. (laughs) So I don't remember going Thursday as of this time. But anyway, he got a Thursday night class. No, didn't do anything Friday. Saturday, I decided to go to Ringo's class again. My goodness, man. (laughs) I went to Ringo's class on a Saturday night right here in Fulton County, Georgia. And while I was in Ringo's class, Ringo said, hey, we finna do some push-ups. So I believe now, I believe I got down on my hands and my knees. I'm getting ready to stretch out, do my push-ups. And I just fell over. Bam. Plump. Out. And from what they tell me, because I don't know, Ringo went to work. Uh, Pastor was just talking about this automatic defibrillator thing uh, Ringo was on it from what I hear Ringo was really moving I think the rest of the class was just in prayer for me and I was out man I was out I was out for the count I praise Ringo for him. I've been for Ringo sustaining me in that time until a Grady ambulance service came down a man that can you imagine a Saturday night if you're from Atlanta can you imagine a Saturday night 7 o'clock at Grady Hospital I mean it is rush hour I think Saturday night at Grady's back in the day was worse than true rush hour with the traffic so I just thank the Lord for the paramedics came and the it just seems like, from what I know about the paramedics, great, you know, they came in so nonchalant, you know. Oh, we got another one, we got another one. 
But anyway, they did the defibrillator thing. And from what Tim tells me, that when they do it and you're laying down, when they hit you, boom, I mean, your body jumps. So Tim tells me, I raised up, my upper torso raised up, a foot or so, and bam, and went back down and hit that concrete floor. That's a concrete floor where Ringo has his class now. And so they did that a couple of times, and they took me down to Grady. And I just imagine at Grady Hospital, a Saturday night, 7 8 o'clock. And so many people are coming through the ER at Grady that I don't even know who the guy was, but they very well could have said, hey, y'all, the guy who's in charge of the ER could have said, Guys, you know now what the rush is going on. This guy, me, is going to take a little bit more, but we can take this gunshot wound guy, pull the bullet out, put a band-aid on, send him home. Do this, do that, send him home, you know. So they wanted to get the fast ones out first, and I imagine them rolling me over to the corner. Say, we'll see about him later. <laughs> But God, he didn't let me stay in that corner. Now, I don't know Now I was out, but I think pastor came down, my wife came down, and they were my cheering squad. So even though I was in the corner, the Lord didn't let him forget me. So lo and behold, some days later, I stayed at Grady for at least five days in a coma don't even know what's going on I think on that fifth day you know it's amazing the things that, that the Lord can do now on that fifth day my son who recently passed in 2018 he was sitting in the ER with me I didn't know he was there but this is a story he tells me he was sitting in the ER with me and the doctor came in doctor came in and was talking to him because he was the only one down there. And the doctor told him, he said, well, Kendrick, what we're going to do for your father is, I really don't know exactly what he said, but I think the doctor was saying, as our last best effort, we're going to knock a hole in the side of his neck. We're going to stick a tube down there and he got to have his thing he walks around with all the time. I really don't know what the doctor said. I really don't know what he said. But anyway, my son said to the doctor, he said, doctor, what kind of quality of life is my father going to have with a hole knocked in his neck? So anyway, my son tells me the doctor left. The doctor came back in maybe 15 minutes or so. And the doctor told my son, hey, we're going to send him over to Emory. So lo and behold, man, from the foundations of the world, the Lord knows the destiny and the plans he has for you. I can remember the day I got to Emory, I woke up. I woke up and even though I was laying on my back, it seemed like everybody was so tall, man. I saw the nurse, 
And she was looking at me and this other guy. And from that day, I had, while I was at Emory, they did a quadruple bypass. Now, this was in 2015. It's 2022 now, man. It's 2022, yeah. And we didn't pass February. That's why we went in February. So, my God is an awesome God. I just thank Him every day. I think some people who were in Ringo's class, after a year, a year later, boom, I came back to Ringo's class. I said, Ringo, I'm going to give you 30 days. <laughs> And lo and behold, man, it's been a transformation physically since that time. And my spiritual man has awakened too. You know, now we do need food to survive. We need water to survive. I contest to you that more than physical food, we need that spiritual food, man. We need that spiritual food, and that's when the Lord wakes us up. Because not only do we need to survive this life, but we got another life, man. We got another life in our Sunday school class. We were talking about this other life, and it's no get-out-of-hell-free cards going around. No get-out-of-hell-free, except there is one who can free you from hell. And that's Jesus Christ himself. You know, Jesus said, Jesus said to the Pharisees, hey, if you knew the Father, you would know me. If you knew my Father, you would know I'm the one telling you about my Father. But they didn't see it. He said, if you knew me, you would know my Father. And then later on, he says, in the book of John, chapter 8, I remember <laughs> that Jesus said there were those who were there who were listening to Jesus and all this. And the Bible said they started to believe. I think our Sunday school class goes one way with this. They started to believe. But what I saw was when they started to believe Jesus told them if you know the truth the truth shall set you free so Jesus was saying to the ones who had started to believe if you know the truth Jesus said I am the truth the way and the life he said if you know the truth him it will set you free so I just encourage each one of you to build a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just know about him and incite passages and do this, do that. But you need to have a relationship. And when you got that relationship, you got the get out of hell free card. Thank you for listening to me. Lord, we just want to thank you for this day, Father. We thank you, Father, for... A remembrance Father. We want to remember, Father. Yes, Father, it wasn't us proper who were in bondage in Egypt, Father. Father, we just thank you, Father, that if you had not freed our forefathers, God, we wouldn't be here today. So we just thank you, Father, for just wanting to know you, Father. We want to spend our times on our knees, Father, to build a 
close and close relationship with you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. You are dismissed. Listen who dismisses you. I'm getting You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, The Resurrection View, Part 1, by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5953, that's 5953. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 5953 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the Word. Brothers of the Word.